we uh, continue a series uh, this week all about how Christianity is good news and God is a God of good news. There are good things happening and God is at work in our lives. And so we continue our series and uh, because of weather and all that sort of stuff, there's been a few things, weekends changed around and all that sort of stuff. So actually, uh, we're going to be continuing this series after Easter as well. So Easter next weekend and then beyond that, we're going to continue this series where we think about big questions that people ask about Christianity. Uh, some of the kind of questions that we may have, our friends may have, uh, certainly down through the centuries people have had about Christianity. And today we're going to continue that series and we're going to begin by reading from the Bible. We're going to read from the book of Ecclesiastes. If you don't know Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is basically sort of ancient wisdom. If you like, it's written by a kind of a philosopher musing about life. As he looks at the world, he looks at all the things that people spend their time doing if this life is all there is, if this life under the sun is all there is, in other words, if there isn't life beyond this life, then he refers to it as being all meaningless. So we're going to read in a moment from that, from the last chapter. So let's read together Ecclesiastes 12. The words will come up on the screen. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. And the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Told to another place, let's pray. God of all comfort. Thank you that there really is hope. Thank you that the message of Jesus really is good news for us as individuals, for our city, for this broken world. Speak, we pray now. By your spirit, we ask. Amen. I don't know if you know who this man is. Uh, any Australians amongst us may know, his name is Arthur Stace. He was a soldier during the war, uh, and when he came back from uh, all the wartime stuff, he became well-known and famous. He became a follower of Jesus, and then spent decades all across Sydney writing on pathways, on walls, one word, eternity. He became known as Mr. Eternity, well-known sort of in legend uh, across Sydney, so much so that uh, on New Year and Millennium Eve, you'll see, you'll see these things across Sydney in a Millennia Bridge, uh, on Sydney Harbour Bridge, should I say, on Millennium Eve, we heard this one word, eternity. Eternity. A word that echoes with all of us, as we saw in the film Gladiator, hoping maybe that what we do in life echoes in eternity. 
and like the writer of Ecclesiastes, that there is life beyond this world, that all is not meaningless, as we'll see. Eternity, we don't often think about it, but as one famous comedian said, I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. Apparently, over 50% of us in the UK believe in life after death. Globally, that figure is 80%, they reckon. And so as we continue this series, thinking about the good news that is the message of Christianity, here's the question today. What if life after death was certain? How does that impact our lives today? And from that passage and other bits of the Bible, we're going to think of four things that I think this eternity word, the reality that there's life after death, changes everything for all of us today. And the first is this. Eternity can't be ignored. We live in a society, don't we, in which it's all about the here and now. And yet, as we read those words from Ecclesiastes, we saw some words that are so important and yet so often ignored in our society. Let me read again. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. Very picturesque, beautiful language about the end of life when the dust returns to the ground where it came from and the spirit returns to God. Remember him. Because if we don't, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. Our culture ignores the reality, doesn't it, so often, that we are all going to die. We're all going to die. Let me do some math with you. We're going to do a little experiment, and I want you to remember and focus on the emotions that this bit of maths creates within you, okay? So, bear with me in this experiment. First of all, what I want you to do is to think of the year that you were born. Get that year date in your head. Got it? Now, this is the bit that might take a little while for some of us. Add to that 81. So, go for it. Some of us are doing long division. Add one, cross one, carry one forwards. Add 81 to the year of your birth. I'll give some of you a few minutes. <laughs> okay. If you're a woman, add two. If you're a man... Take away two. If you're a smoker, take off five. And apparently I discovered, if you're left-handed, take off five. I have no idea if that's true, but apparently that's what somebody told me. <laughs> What's the number you're left with? Don't tell me. Think of that number. Statistically speaking, that will be the year that you die. Now, remember what I said. What does that do to your emotions? Most of us don't like that reality, that little math sum we've done. Because if you're anything like me, I am 40. The reality is I'm now in the afternoon of life. And regardless of what age we are, that year, it probably is not that far away. Some of us, 
may even have gone past it. Well done. It's great to see you here. Keep going. But we live in a culture, don't we, in which we avoid such thought processes. We do all we can with a nip and a tuck here and a cream that will extend our beauty. Ignoring it, we go into supermarkets and the meat is shrink-wrapped so we don't have to think that animals died as a result. We live in a culture in which we ignore death. Let me give another illustration of it. I'm going to... give you a little experiment. How many know the story of Red Riding Hood? You may know the story. I was taught it as a child. The story is Red Riding Hood goes into the woods. She's going to see Grandma. And along comes this wolf. The wolf says, where you're going? And she, well, she says, I'm going to see Grandma. Where does Grandma live? He tells her, so on, so on. The wolf then goes off in front of Little Red Riding Hood and knocks on the door of Grandma's house. Grandma opens the door. What does the wolf do? The wolf eats Grandma. Then gets dressed up as Grandma so that when Red Riding Hood arrives, Grandma is now a wolf. What big eyes you've got, Grandma, and all the better to see you with, and all that sort of stuff. That's the story of Red Riding Hood. Now, our culture, this little book, Little Red Riding Hood, is from Riverside Performing Arts Office. This is a contemporary retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> Why do they have it? Don't know. You can ask them. But this is the story presented today. And do you know what happens? I'm not going to quote it to you, but I'll basically summarize. What happens at the end is that they all open a bakery together with the wolf as the chef selling grandma's cakes. Another version I heard was Grandma doesn't get eaten. She simply faints of the shock of the wolf and hides in a cupboard. And when Little Red Riding Hood appears, ooh, she comes back to life and the wolf goes and all that sort of stuff. In other words, a story that has been around for centuries, effectively warning children about the reality, the harsh reality of life. Beware of strangers and all that sort of stuff. In our culture, we can't even bear the idea that bad things happen. Eternity can't be ignored. We live in a culture of comfort. And I would venture to say that the reason we don't like thinking about death and the reason in church circles we've stopped talking about heaven and hell and all those sort of things is because largely we live in a culture of comfort. We're called, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, to face up to the reality that all of us one day will die. And so, remember your creator. Remember him. Fear God, says the author of Ecclesiastes. And can I say, I've been involved in quite a few funerals. I've taken quite a few funerals. And the funerals where there is the greatest ache and grief beyond the normal tragedy of life are the ones in which people have never before confronted their own mortality. Because suddenly, not just the grief of losing someone they dearly loved, the reality that this is where we all end up. And so, 
life after death is certain, we need to confront the reality that we all die. It can't be ignored. And can I say, for some of us, if we're Christians, we've kind of forgotten this dimension. And we, we, we tend to focus on Jesus being about meeting my needs now, and as long as I feel all right, everything's sweet. And then the moment things go a little bit tricky, I bail on Jesus because it's all about now and how I feel. God is way bigger than that. The biblical story is way bigger than that. But also, for some of us, we're not sure whether we'd call ourselves Christians. And yet, even now, we're beginning to realize some of the biggest questions in life we've been putting on a back burner. These questions cannot be ignored. So, that's the first thing. Eternity can't be ignored. But here's the second thing. I think the Bible argues that eternity gives a value and a dignity to life. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, if this life is all there is, then everything is meaningless. He talks about, you know, you spend your time working hard and then someone comes after you and just undoes it all. If your parents, you bring up your kids and then one kid goes off on a different way and goes on a bender and well, you know, expends all your wealth and all that sort of stuff. Meaningless. Pleasure seems so incredible, but then it's gone. Relationships seem so meaningful, and yet they're gone. If this life is all there is. Let's do another thought experiment. How many of you know the first names of your great-grandparents? Put your hands in the air if you know the first names of your great-grandparents. Five or six of us in this room. Chances are, unless your great-grandparents were somehow famous or did something of significant that therefore means they're kind of remembered in wider society, their family are the only ones that will remember them. And most of us can't even do that with our great-grandparents, what, 100 years later? Here's the harsh news. <laughs> 100 years' time, 150 years' time, the name of Tim Chilvers will be largely forgotten even by the great-great-grandchildren. Meaningless, says the Ecclesiastes. What's this life about? Unless there is something beyond. Because the writer of Ecclesiastes makes some very, very important points. Listen again. Now all has been heard, this is his conclusion, Here's the conclusion, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Why? For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. In other words, your life, my life, the deeds of this life count because God sees them. Every hidden thing. Which therefore means those in this life who are forgotten, who are oppressed and nobody has seen that oppression, those who are the sinned against and only they know what has been done against them, it means that even that God sees. The Bible speaks of God being a judge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. 
And we in the West tend to kind of shudder at such things. And I want to suggest that's because we live in a culture of comfort where we largely don't experience the oppression, the injustice. What about those people who will never make the front page of the news? Who are oppressed, who have had done things done against them that no one will ever see? If this life is all there is, it is meaningless, unlucky. For most of the world, unlucky, we in the comfortable West, c'est la vie. But God will bring every deed into judgment, every hidden thing, whether good or evil. This is good news for most of the planet. It's only because we live in a culture of comfort that we forget this. But I know there are people here, you have had things done against that you can't even say. There are things in your story where you wish people knew what was done against you. God sees and God knows. That is good news. It gives a value and a dignity to all of us and all of life. We have a friend who is a human rights advocate in Southeast Asia. And talking about this talk, I was in text conversation with her. She's looking at a number of different things that are going on around the world that never make the news headlines. Here is her comment. You're right that we in the West are ignorant of so much injustice in the world. God's not ignorant. The fact that there is a judge is really good news for justice. Which is why in that story in the book of Genesis, where God threatens to wipe out that evil city of Sodom, and Abraham has this little battle with him and said, please God, don't do it. If I find 50 righteous people, will you not wipe it out? And God says, okay. And then he says, okay, what if I find 40? Okay. Okay, I can't find 40. What if I find 30, God, please? And on and on this dialogue goes until we get to this verse. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? That's good news. That we don't have to act justice because God is a just God and sees every hidden thing. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? This gives a value and a dignity to all of us on planet earth. That is brilliant. That's good news. So, eternity can't be ignored. Eternity brings a value and a dignity to all of our lives. Here's the third thing that I think this suggests, though. Eternity brings true equality. We live in a culture of equality, don't we? In which there's, because of the internet and technology, we see so much inequality around the world and in our society. And there's lots of different campaign groups on various different things about inequality. I was looking, these are just some recent newspaper headlines from the Sunday Mirror, worst ever child abuse scandal exposed, hidden up by the council authorities. Or this one, the financial part of one of the papers, um, uh, 288 million sales, not a bean in tax at Cafe Nero, hidden tax things, or look at the one about a persimmon boss, 100 million pounds bonus, impossible to justify to the rest of the staff who never see such benefits. Or what about this one from the Observer? Top paid men outstrip women by four to one, shock figures revealed. 
We know we live in a society where there is so much inequality, whether that be about pay scales, whether that be about the little people always getting stomped on, whether that be about the wealthy always be able to avoid tax, whatever it may be, we live in a culture which desires equality, doesn't it? Because we see such inequality everywhere, we know that at the moment life favors the powerful, the successful, the strong. Well, listen again to the words from Ecclesiastes. Now, all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. All will give an account for every deed, both good and evil. This is good news for the little people. Really good news. It's noticeable when you read the Bible that Jesus talks a lot about God's judgment. Interestingly, when talking about hell, more often he talks about it with the religious people. It's not a shock tactic to scare people to follow him. It's rather for those people that are pretty self Sorted. That he wants to remind them that every hidden thing, whether good or evil. And this is good news because this is the ultimate equality. That your education, your status, your background, your wealth, all will stand before God. The strong man doesn't win. This is immensely liberating for those who have been sinned against. Who don't have a voice to speak up. And can I say, if you're somebody that you feel you've been given a raw deal in life, this is good news. Good news. For those people who you know you've got disability in your life, and you look at others that seem to have things so easy. This is good news. For those who you know you're waiting for those test results, this is good news. For those where there's just been thing after thing after thing, wave after wave of things against you, this is good news for the little people. For those who can never walk, When we think of eternity, the Bible speaks of a great feast, a party. There will be days where you dance. For those who can't see, there will be days where your eyes will see. This is good news. Because in the book of Revelation, we read these words. Speaking of that day, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He'll dwell with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. For those for whom your world is full of loneliness, how much more an intimate thing is somebody when they wipe away your tears? 
God himself will wipe their tears away. For those who are racked by death everywhere, no more death. For those overwhelmed by mourning, no more mourning, no more tears. This is good news. Good news. Ultimate equality. So, eternity can't be ignored. Gives value and dignity to your life right now. It's the ultimate inequality. But how do we know for sure? How do we know this isn't wish fulfillment, Tim? None of us want to die, really. How do we know this is not pie in the sky when you die to escape the reality that this life is harsh? Well, this is where we get to our fourth and final point. Eternity is offered to you. Listen again to these words from Ecclesiastes. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Eternity is real. We've got that. It's good news for those who need justice and don't get it in this life. But the reality is when we read those words, all of us are found wanting. Fear God and he keep his commandments for this is the duty of all mankind. I'm not so sure. Every deed, even the hidden things, both good and evil, gulp. And even in the rich West sort of smug, self-centered identity, we begin to realize that most of the planet suffer because of our culture of comfort. So the very fabric of our society benefits us and exploits others. So this is both personal and also structural. And so there's good news, God sees, but it's also where we begin to realize that we are found wanting. As we sang earlier, we need a God who can overcome our battles, who can beat death, but we also need a God who will step in the way of all of that judgment that we deserve. Because every deed will be brought into judgment. And so we come to some amazing words from the New Testament where we read that Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome this world. And so that when we look at the cross of Jesus, we begin to realize something. there's something way bigger going on. Not only is the cross empty, so death itself is beaten, but also the cross was endured. As we read in the book of Hebrews, listen to these words. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Jesus didn't just say, I can get you through 
this death, he proved it. The cross is empty, which therefore means death is beaten and our sins, that judgment that we deserve, can be taken away. God's poured it all out on Jesus, which is good news. And I don't know about you, you may have many questions about Christianity. You may have many issues that you're grappling with. But when it's all stripped away, I want to be with the one who can get me through death. I may have a million questions, but Jesus beat death in history. Therefore, I'm on his team. And in a world of health issues and disability and questions and loneliness and pain and oppression, I want to be with the one who says, I'll get you through. I will overcome. Follow me. That is good news. Will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? So friends, eternity can't be ignored. It gives value and dignity to your life. Now it's ultimate equality, but it's offered to you, to me today. And all we simply have to say is, in effect, Jesus, I'm with you. Please take me. So that's what we're going to do. As we come to a close, I'm guessing for some of us, we already follow Jesus, but we know deep down this dimension is something we've largely forgotten. And it's all about the here and now. But today we've been reminded that actually strip it all away. This is good news that's not dependent on me. And so I'm going to, simply going to pray, God, that you'd remind us, fan into flames that passion for eternity. But for others, maybe just one or two, there might be people that you just know that you've never really grappled with this, and today for the first time you want to simply say, Jesus, I'm on your team with a million questions, but Jesus, take me. So what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes. You may find it helpful to close your eyes. I'm simply going to pray, and then I'm going to ask us at one if something has kind of really landed on you, what I mean by that is something you know has deeply moved you, impacted you, that you want today to respond in some way, in a moment I'm going to simply ask you to stand. As it were, to just say before God, God, you've spoken. I want that to impact my life. And that might be for the first time, you simply want to say, Jesus, please help me, take me. Or for others, it might be that we know that just life has squashed in. And today we've been reminded that this is good news. So in a moment, I'll ask you to stand, but let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that there is hope. Please, God, forgive us for all those hidden things that we know are not good. And Lord, please take us. We want to receive that eternal life and let that impact our life today.
So if something's really impacted you, you kind of want to just make a moment and say, yes, something has spoken to you. As we continue with our eyes, can I invite you to simply stand as a way of saying to God, something has connected today. Please stand if you're able to. Father, we thank you. Thank you that Jesus was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. Lord, we thank you that you will bring salvation to those waiting. Lord, we give you our lives. Help us to focus on eternity and let that make a difference in our lives right now. By your spirit, fill these guys. Speak to them, show them your love and grace. Thank you, Lord.